you are listening to episode 103, Can We Question Religion? with Tebuho and Tuba on the Africana Woman podcast. Chulu is my name. I am a writer, personal brand consultant, entrepreneur, and mentor. Africana Woman's mission is to help you heal your heart, mind, and soul through the power of stories so as you can live healthy and wealthy lives. If this is your first time listening to Africana Woman, welcome, sis. But more importantly, apart from this episode that you're listening to, you have over 100 stories to dive into. So go back, take a listen, subscribe, and be inspired. Learn from the sisterhood. A few weeks ago, I put a poll out to ask the community whether you wanted me to run Audit Your Business program or Good Morning Beautiful in the month of December. After telling the votes, it has been decided that from the 1st to the 7th of December, we will have, drum roll please, Good Morning Beautiful, <laughs> crowd favorite, right? So this is a seven-day wellness challenge that helps you clear your emotions, your mind, and your spirit. You know, every morning you will receive a voice message with instructions for the day, which could be either a journal prompt, an exercise, an activity. And the beauty of this challenge is that you get to do it in community. So that means that you'll be giving feedback um, to the group and you will also hear from others, which is also very, very inspiring. So this is an uplifting experience that I highly recommend as a way to end your year well. It is free. All you have to do to enter is go to africanawoman.com. So go to our website, africanawoman.com. All right. For our episode today, I am letting you know right away. Today's conversation is uncomfortable because it is about one of those topics that people manipulate to polarize communities. Now, in the Africana woman community, all conversations are welcome as long as they are conducted with respect. I think we should also normalize having uncomfortable conversations, okay? <laughs> yeah. Today, we are talking about religion. I had a conversation with two former Africana women, Tuba and Tebucho, and we go there. I am not joking. We go there. So if you're not ready, sign off. <laughs> but if you're curious and you want to hear what we talked about, let's do this. All right. Enjoy. goodness guys we are in for a treat today first of all we have some beautiful stars who are back on the africana woman podcast hey and it's funny because both of them their names are t's like Tuba. i'm just like i'll get a bit confused today but it's okay it's okay but i'm excited to welcome Tebuho and Tuba to the africana woman podcast these are shining stars look at this they're coming back coming back <laughs> hi guys <laughs> Hey. hey. <laughs> Thank you for that lovely welcome. I'm energized. Okay, so I invited you guys back because 
I think in our conversations individually, we had talked about, you know, sort of exploring our spirituality and our religion. And I think it's something that people don't really openly talk about. Um, I think we're in an age where people are sort of like, there's like fake Christians. Like, you know, people just say they're Christians for the sake of saying they're Christians, because if you don't and you're in a Christian nation, then it kind of, you just look like that odd ball out. You know what I mean? Or whether it's people who decide that, okay, we're going to get married. They go and get married in the church because their family wants them to. But then after that, they are never seen again in the church and, you know, all different types of stories around people's, um, I guess, relationship with their religion or spirituality. So I guess my first question to you guys is when you were younger, what was your experience with, um, with religion or spirituality? Um, let's start with that. Uh, Maybe a backstory. My grandfather is a deacon in the Roman Catholic church. So that was also like, um, part of the family hierarchy or fam- in, in, yeah, family hierarchy in the community, like it was a huge responsibility on us. Okay, so I grew up Roman Catholic. I grew up in a very uh, somewhat strict, uh, yeah, when I was growing up, it was quite strict. And so there was like somewhat part of like our um, position in the community as well. We had great responsibility in the way that uh, we helped, we carried ourselves and how much we participated in the church. So that's like, it's almost like being a pastor's child, but in a Roman Catholic kind of sort of way. And this is passed down from my father because his father, my grandfather, raised them in that manner. And so they passed it down to us, the grandchildren. And so... Um, the wheel started changing the direction with us, but then that's how we grew up. Suva, what about you? Yeah, so again, sorry for this noise. I am um, in a very busy place, but um, I grew up Baptist, very staunch, very strict Baptist. My parents only qualified as pastors much later in my life, in their lives, but they, for all intents and purposes, were always pastors. They were always busy in the church. We went to church many times a week, Sunday, and then the cell meeting, and then the Wednesday Bible service, like they were always all in church. And I often joke and say, my parents have no personality outside of Jesus, which is true. They they live and breathe religion and Christianity, to be specific, which means that like, you know, a lot of normal things that were like pretty normal for other kids growing up for me, like I never experienced that because it's not edifying to God or, you know, it's not biblical or something like that. So I grew up in a very, very strict Baptist home. That's interesting. I guess my family is Catholic, but I feel like there was a period where my mom wasn't really going to church. So it wasn't like strict, strict. But I know that when we went, when I went to boarding school, I went to a a Catholic um, girl or girls boarding school and that's when now I, you know, did the whole baptism and, you know, all of the processes. And I don't know, I think there was, there was some, 
it was there was just this thing like oh everybody in the family is catholic but then at some point like some cousins now started to like branch off and you know go into um other churches and so on and i was always like oh my gosh like how could they <laughs> how could they even like go into like a pentecostal church oh my word but that said i've always um i was you see i'm even forgetting the terms i was part of the it's like an interdenominational movement i've just forgotten the word is it the scripture union uh uh-uh. uh no a youth one no it's not a youth one it's um i know one called kiro CWA uh I forgot the name it's like slipped my mind but basically it's an interdenominational worship um where you know it's not just catholic people it's anybody can come and come together as christians you see what i mean and uh you know so i think that made me curious to think about oh how do other people practice their christianity and i think whenever i did have an opportunity if i was visiting a friend or you know whatever it is i would go to their church and then be like oh okay this is how it's done and stuff but curiously enough when i went to university and that was in the states and you know i'd tell people like oh i'm catholic and they would always for some reason in america catholics are not christians it's just like it's literally its own religion and i was always like what are you guys on about they're like ah oh. they just used to treat they oh, it, it was never classified as christian it was just this other weird religion that's on its own like a cultish and stuff I, was, i always found that strange so yeah anyway that was my journey with it but um I guess like okay now we know where you were but like where are you now Um wow yeah I think the religion journey for me has taken so many different forms so from being raised like strict catholic right now I am in a relationship with God and it starts and ends there I do not really fall under any like um church I can't even say 100% oh I'm Christian because I feel like even just saying that is like already placing me in a box that probably according to Christians I don't tick all the boxes and this is what like when you were just saying like um when you were in the states uh people saw Roman Catholic as outside of Christian even in South Africa it was like that you know um yeah like we we are, you'd be like oh I'm Christian which church do you go to oh Roman Catholic and they'll be like no you're not Christian you 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 Roman or you you Catholic and you're like but Catholics are, Ro- are also Christian we believe in the same thing but i think what happened was it was the Roman Catholic was um somewhat thought of as higher than other christians or christian beliefs or churches that's why like people have kind of secluded themselves from roman catholic because if you look at like the anglican you know 
they they got out of the Roman Catholic and started the Anglican and then and a lot of people came out of Anglican and started something else and they came out of that and started something else. So by that movement on its own, people separated themselves from the Roman Catholic Church. So I grew up with that same thing. But for me, I did the same thing as you did. I was in the worship team at what people call the worship team. In the Roman Catholic, we just said it's the choir or it's the youth team. But in many churches, Christian churches, you'll hear it's the uh, worship team. So I was in that. I was in the band. I played an instrument. I sang. I was in all of that. You always find me in that. And what that created or what that opened up was doors to other churches. And with that, I moved to other churches. And when you'd have a concert here, a concert there, you'd see how other people do church. You'd see how other people worship. And you ask, you start asking these little questions like, hmm, okay, you know, and then eventually like as an, maybe when I started my degree, I did my diploma first. So when I started my degree, that's when I started having like serious questions to say, okay, I'm not sure if I'm Roman Catholic because I'm not sure if I'm going with this because I studied in my, in, in my degree, I studied religious education. And then you get to view all these other religions. And funny enough, of all the religions that I studied and kind of had a little view into their lives, I felt personally I would be more a Buddhist than a Christian. <laughs> Chile's going, me too. But yeah, you know, I, I felt like that because you know, I was like, mm, I don't have all the answers. Even today, I still don't have all the answers Christian, Christianity-wise. So, yeah. And then I tried to seek my culture more than anything and find out how my people, the Tswana people, did it before religion. And that has somehow anchored me as very much. It has anchored me in understanding how important it is for me to have my own relationship with God or a higher being or the people that have passed before me. So yeah, I, I can't say, yeah, I'm Christian. I can't. I can't say, yeah, I'm Roman Catholic. No, I can't. I, I know God. I've seen the way God works in my life and that's all that I have. <laughs> That's so interesting. I also studied in South Africa at Liverpool, and um, I do remember as recently as 2010, you know, people being like, yeah, I'm, I'm Catholic, and this one's like, oh, I'm Christian. So I also found that quite odd. Like, okay, this, this is an interesting, um, you know, like separation of the two. Meanwhile, here in Zambia, it's like one and the same. Right. So, yeah, for me, I never had a pleasant experience of church, obviously, because my parents were always forcing it down our throats. I wanted nothing to do with it, but I didn't know this. So when I went to uni, I was 16 years old. I still, you know, went to church, but almost out of duty. I'm like, yeah, you know, my sisters were there. My sisters are very staunch Christians. And so I go with them to church. But then once I remained alone at uni, I realized that I just, didn't go to church I would you know come home from traveling on a Saturday and sleep in on Sunday and that trend kind of continued then before I know it it's been like a year or two years and I haven't really been to church except when I'm back home with my parents 
Then um, I'd, I'd never really had a moment of questioning or anything until 2015 when I discovered the law of attraction and manifesting things. And I think I resonated that so much with that, right? Because it's like, it's the closest thing to prayer. <laughs> and, you know, believing in a higher power, but without all the, you know, rigorous rules and things that just don't make sense, the dogma. So I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. And um, I've come a bit, come quite far on, on, on that journey of manifestation and the law of attraction that definitely can't say with my chest that, oh, I'm a Christian. Um, I also can't say that I have a relationship with God. For me, I, I have to like, it, it would, it would, sometimes it's like, a while before I even think about, you know, spiritual things and things of, you know, that are higher powers. I just like kind of coast through life because I'm like, ah, it's just, it, it felt as even when I was still very much in awe, when I was with my parents raising the church, you know, when people would stand up and give testimonies like, oh, you know, God spoke to me and I heard this. I'm like, how, how do you guys feel this? I never heard it, never felt it, never had a desire to feel or hear those things. So for me, I was just like, you know, coasting away and just, and even now, like, um, you know, my Sundays are, I watch, I watch the series, I sleep in or whatever. And that's how I'm going by. And my one friend, we're having this conversation about a few weeks ago. Um, he's like, but for somebody who doesn't go to church, you're like, you know, quite a bit about God. I'm like, oh, yes, I am fluent in Christianese. I was raised that way. <laughs> But now, if you ask me my opinion on, like, religion and what it's like, what is your opinion on typics? You, you know, it's, I don't have one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's something that, you know, I, if you need to, you could use it. But really, um, I, I'm just, like, going by, you know, with um, sometimes I'll, you know, refer back to what I learned during the law when I was very active in the law of attraction. Uh, but, you know, even then, I've had some holes and I'm like, eh, this doesn't really add up. So, yeah, I pick what I can. You know, I pick what I can. I journal. I found that journaling is akin to prayer for me. So if I feel overwhelmed, I journal. I write it down. And, yeah, I think just working through my feelings, talking through it, writing through it kind of helps. So, yeah, that's, I, yeah, like I can't say with my chest that, oh, I'm a Christian or I'm this, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many things. Ah, okay. So firstly, for me, I think, um, oh, I looked it up. It's charismatic. <clears throat> That's the word I was looking for. So the charismatic movement, which um, brings in different, um, different denominations. Anyway, so, do you know, I think for me, where I started to struggle with um, just the whole religious institution and all of that is with the perpetuation of the white Jesus. Like, I don't want to be racist, but it just gets on my nerves. Like, it gets on my nerves. I mean, first of all, I travel to Spain. You go into the churches there, and then they've got, like, a Black Mary with baby Jesus, like, black, black, like, you know, the Sudanese beautiful skin, darkness okay in europe and then all over africa we've got this white jesus that everybody is worshiping and i'm just like i can't get over that like just the the indoctrination 
Um, and people would want to be like, oh no, you know, it doesn't really happen. But literally, if you're seeing a visual representation of who is meant to be your God and that person is white, just think about how it translates it translates into how you interact with that particular race. You know what I mean? So for me, when I come and think about um, religions like um, Islam, where they don't have imagery, I appreciate that because it's not boxing God into this this image. But with Christianity, they've really given us this image of who our God is, you know what I mean? And that really bothered me. So I think I've never really connected, like, oh, I, I've i started, I disconnected with just the thought of, oh, this, the Jesus. Because <laughs> at least God, we can't see, but just the Jesus part, I was just like, ooh, they're just driving nuts. But anyway, um, <laughs> and then um, when it comes to, uh, with uh, Catholicism, I think one of the things that really bothered me was how, I mean, we would celebrate Pentecost fine, right? Um, But with Pentecost, you've got, you know, Jesus has said, I'm going to send you somebody who's going to be with you. Um, And he's going to be your guide. He is going to help you. He'll be with you here and all of that. But I just felt like, Aside from Pentecost, there wasn't really any other teaching about the spirit. So if the spirit is here with us, he's been sent here with us. Why are you not teaching us to connect with him, to hear his voice, to have a relationship with him? These are three different, you know, bodies, God, spirit, and um, and Jesus. And Jesus has gone. So now we've got the spirit, but we don't talk about the spirit. How does this work? Like how? <laughs> I just don't get it. You know what I mean? So um, I think uh, COVID was really great um, in the sense that I could then say, you know, then it was like, oh, social distancing. Because before I was going to church, but now I'm like, oh, guys, I'm still social distancing. But I used it as an opportunity to really then, uh, you know, just take a step back and really find out what is my, um, like, how can I connect with my my God, you know what I mean? And how can I have my own relationship with him? And, you know, who is the spirit to me? So that was, that's basically been the journey that I've been taking, um, my personal journey. And I, the other thing that really bothers me is that people don't even read scriptural texts, you know what I mean? They'll just be relying on uh, whoever their pastor is, whoever their papa, their mamas, and all of this. And they don't even, like read it for themselves and I'm, it, that drives me nuts because I'm like you don't even know what the scripture says you're just going on the word of what this person says but the scripture even says test the spirit when someone is talking test the spirit and make sure that they're actually saying the right thing because if it's not working for you then why are you following it like don't just let anybody touch you anyway um let's not go into that but it also really bothers me that people don't even read the Bible. They don't read the scriptures for themselves. They're also, they're just self-reliant on other people. But um, I guess what has been your experience with having, with sort of just saying that, okay, I'm not really like Christian because okay, I, now I don't really call myself Christian, but you know, is it something that you talk about? Is it something that um, you share with people or it's just like, I just keep this to myself. <laughs> I 
I speak about that. And funny enough, when I started questioning the Roman Catholic Church around the time that I was studying, um, I had a conversation with my father and I started asking a lot of questions and I started telling him, I'm not too sure about the Roman Catholic Church anymore. And I told him to say, like, I'm going to go and see what, what happens in other churches. And I remember at the time I was dating a guy who was in what would be called I think charismatic churches or maybe like the, you know, yeah, the, I don't know how to explain it, but you get it. Like it's quite different to Roman Catholic churches, but they're also Christian. So I would go with him to that, to his church. And I really enjoyed the singing and the, like the praising and whatever, but I never, my spirit would never agree with the way they would explain the Bible. Like in the, uh, we say gospel, like during the homily, yeah, during that time when like the pastor is giving the message for the week or whatever, it was just like this part of what comes from the Bible. And then there's a whole portion of people's agenda in there. You can hear that ah, you are trying to push people to do certain things. So with going through churches like that, I was like, mm, okay, I don't know. So I speak about how, not, how much I can't say I am Christian or not, is luckily in my home with uh, Mashiva, my husband, because we find ourselves both in the same like path. Funny enough, we met each other in church, in the Roman Catholic church. But here we are together being like, we, don't, we are not 100% sure that we want to raise our child in the Roman Catholic Church, having gone through what we've gone through, having learned what we've learned, having, dis having, discovered, uh, having discovered the things that we discovered about the Roman Catholic Church, we've said no. Like until we find a church or a place or whatever it is that we are like, okay, we can send our child there. We can go with our child there. We are like, we're going to teach him yeah, morals, expectations from us, right from wrong here at home and how to be in like connection with himself, like inside and out. We are going to give him that. So yeah, we luckily I have um, him to talk to, the, to about this and we talk about it quite often. We still pray. We still sit in silence. We meditate. We still connect with our spirits. I speak with my ancestors. He doesn't, but I do. And yeah, we, we've taught our child some prayers, like little rhymes um, to prayers that we've made up. So like that connection of there's something bigger than us is there. It's still there, but not like indoctrination. <laughs> I love that. I love how you've taken um, just like you can teach your child morals and without he's not like doing good because he's scared of, you know, some eternal damnation or whatever. So, yeah, <laughs> kudos to you for that. Um, Chulu, you know, I live in Zambia. Of course, I don't talk to anyone about this. What? <laughs> it's not nice. <laughs> So, no, actually, it doesn't even really come up because here everyone assumes you're Christian. So I kind of just go with it. Um, 
there was some guy I was dating a couple of months ago who was just full on atheist. So, um, yeah, we would speak a little bit about that, but he was also a bit like too far gone for me. I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm just deconstructing now. <laughs> and that's the one person that I've been super open with about this. And um, even the one who was asking like, yeah, but you know, you say you're, you're not really into church, but you know quite a bit. Uh, and he's the one I made that typical comment with. But no, generally, everyone just thinks I'm that, you know, Baptist daughter of my very Baptist parents. And I don't care to correct them or anything. It's not a fight that's worth having for me. Ah, she said that I don't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love how everyone just assumes, like, yeah, you are just straight away Christian you know what I mean but it's funny enough though people I, I feel like uh, recently people have been like asking me like so are you are you Christian like directly and I'm just like mm, yes I believe that there is a higher power yes yes <laughs> you know what I mean but not necessarily you know saying like um yeah saying whether it's Christianity or not, but I mean, anyway, it's, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, you found yourself on that same table hall that you found yourself on a, a similar path with your, your husband. But I would imagine that, you know, uh, if you're not exactly aligned or, you know, it would be a bit difficult, um, in past relationships, have you had any difficulty with navigating uh, Christianity or religion, I'll just say, and how did it make you think differently? Uh, funny enough, maybe, maybe two relationships before my husband, I dated an atheist, Tuba. And <laughs> it was very difficult because for me, prayer is important. It's very important. When it's hard, I pray. When it's good, I pray. When I pick up a hundred kwacha, I pray. I, you will thank you, God. Like, that's me, you know? Oh, thank you, uh, my people. Yo, thank you, thank you. You get what I mean? So it was very hard to, um, when I, at the time I was doing my uh, diploma. So it's, it's quite a while ago. But it was very hard to actually come to terms and tell this guy, like, I can't because I can't explain why I need to pray to you. It just makes sense to me. It calms my spirit. It comforts me. Uh, I can't explain why I need to sit in silence and just listen out or maybe just collect my thoughts. I, am, I was unable to explain that to him in a way that he understood it. And that was what broke us off, essentially, because for me, the way that he was behaving, it was like um, his belief is derived from other people's belief. You know what I mean? Like, it was like when you say, but one plus one is two. His core belief was to tell you that, no, it's not two. You know, it wasn't, oh, but for me, one plus three is two. You get what I mean? Like, it was always um, the Christians are saying this. So can I show you how wrong they are? And I was like, okay, why can't you give me what works for you or what you do? If there's nothing, then there's nothing. If you believe there's no God, fine. Don't say there's no God and 
you saying one, two, three, four, five is not right. Because then it's like disarming me, but it's your thing. So that kind of didn't balance. And so, yeah, that obviously like didn't work out. It, it didn't even last a year. But yeah, that was the only one that it was. <laughs> For me, I've almost always dated like irreligious guys. Um, so it would kind of just like we would, we, we, religion was never really part of our, our connection or anything. So it never really came up. Um, my current boyfriend though is rather Christian. So I'm, I'm still looking to see how that's going to play out. But he, I feel like he's on that spectrum where if I were very much religious, he would also follow. And now I'm like, kind of leading the pace you know he's also just like a bit chilled about it but no it's never really been either a bone of contention in any relationship or something that brings us together it's just another rather small aspect of my relationship now when you look at the way that our generation i guess treats religion and christianity what are your observations i think we kind of treat so many segments to our generation, but uh, most of the people that I stand in contact with use it kind of like as a crutch. So if we, as, if we like um, really examined ourselves, a lot of us are kind of in this shoe, in the, in the same boat where it's like, yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really feel convicted of my religion. I don't really feel like this is something that I, you know, would go to war for, but because it's the norm, it's the accepted norm. It's like, it's something that we've done. We've always grown up with. We just, it's there. It's there if you need it. And it's just there to help you uh, feel accepted. I mean, church is a perfectly acceptable social circle. You could go to church purely just for the friends and for the support and family that you could find there. So a lot of people may have, I don't want to call them ulterior motives, but just like a different motive for going to church or staying in those circles, you know, using it as a crutch or something that just helps them feel more accepted. So, yeah, I think we could all do with a little introspection to really see exactly why are we still, you know, so much into religion, if at all. I think, like, you made, like, valid points right there. A lot of, uh, I can say, maybe our, our generation, church is more on uh, the need to belong. And uh, maybe, let me, let me start with um, start continuing what we've been taught by parents they need to belong like the community aspect of church like uh, falling into like the women's group the men's group whatever keeping out of unnecessary or bad environment church is a great excuse especially like speaking from a Christian um, perspective um, also a place to go on Sunday and look pretty um you know like i mean some people really look forward to the outfits you know um and not in a bad way sometimes it's their upliftment like it's the one outing they get to go to on uh, uh, during the week and you know um also it's just a it's it it is like two of us saying it's a lack of looking inside and really questioning ourselves and so we just continuing with the cycle we we on auto auto mode you know i grew up my mom telling me you need to go to church when i started to ask but why am i going to church 
she would say, you need to go to church because who's going to bury you? You know? So I needed to go to church so that I have someone to bury me. And then again, you need to go to church because who's going to sing at your wedding? Which uh, uh, father is going to marry you off? Who, which father is going to baptize your child? You know, because there's always this uh, political side of the church. Like, oh, you don't come to church. We're not going to give you any of the sacraments. We're not going to baptize your child. We're not going to bury you. Like I've seen family members who've uh, decided, okay, we don't want to do church anymore or whatever. And the church denying them of like, you know, having their casket come into the church, like the actual building, because they haven't been active members and whatever. And yet still we are Christian. So it's, you know, sometimes, yeah, we, we're not really thinking about it. It's just autopilot, like the way we go to church. It's just autopilot. And when you start asking the important questions, like, ah, you ask too much. We don't have the answers. Just go to church. Church is good. It's about God. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's not enough. Oh my goodness. That one. You need someone to bury you. You need somewhere to go get married. Oh, yes, girl. And then hurt those. Yeah. Yeah. But what do you think about the way that society and by extension i think the church treats um the lgbtqia my god plus community like yo it's long sorry guys <laughs> I, I have to jump on this one it is so unchristian like the way that the Christian, at least the Christian church, or maybe not, okay, if the Christian, it's the church, but that the Christian community treat the gay community. I, I can't say all the letters and I'm going to miss one and I don't want to get in trouble. I'm just going to say the gay community. Um, it's so judgmental without understanding. And I, I've always said this, even to, especially coming to Zambia, oh my gosh. I've always said this, I have gay cousins that I love with all my heart, boys and girls. And one thing that I've told them when they did tell me, hey, I'm gay or I'm attracted to the same um, gender, I've said, I don't understand, but I respect. I respect your journey. And that's all we need to do. Like, I feel that's all we need to do. You may not understand what's happening inside of a person, you may not understand the journey they're on. You may not understand the reasons why they find themselves where they are, especially when referring to gay community. But who are you? Let he who is without sin be the first to throw that stone. Who are you? You know what I mean? From the priest to the congregation, who are you? Yeah. That's what I have to say. <laughs> it's so ironic how these supposed love uh, group of, of, of loving people just cannot tolerate even the sight or just hearing about anyone in the gay community. I, it, it's laughable, honestly, how these people treat. And it's like, do you not see yourself? Like, what, is, what kind of cognitive dissonance is going on here? You are, you know, called to love. 
And yet here you are saying, oh, I can never, I hate this, you know, it goes as far as saying that. I, yeah, it's, it's weird and it's ironic, it's laughable, and of course it's sad, like, you know, how, you know, people just choose to marginalize a certain group of people who were born that way didn't choose to be, and even if you could choose to be gay, so what? It's a pretty fabulous lifestyle, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's ironic how the church treats the gay community. I'm gonna take a leaf from Tibo and just call them that as well. <laughs> Keen to hear your thoughts, Chulu. Uh, girl, girl, girl. I feel like like you said, um, you know, we talk about having um, you know, I mean if we want to go into like scriptures and stuff like that, all sins are equal, ne? but it's like we've just made this one thing um, I guess it would fall under sexual immorality, but this one part of sexual immorality, because there's also others, but just this, this little faction of it, um, that's the one that we've just decided, like, oh, this is the one that's so intolerable, you know, and people just forget. It goes back to, you know, reading your Bible, like reading your scripture, like people forget that Austin is the same. So, you know, you who is there out there, like populating the world with little journeys, you know, like just being a whole adulteress, a fornicator, what, you're still in the same boat. Like, I feel like it, <laughs> when people go to, <laughs> you know, when their time is up, they'll be very spooked about who is where, you know. <laughs> according to whatever they believe, which is, anyway, I just find it really strange. For me, the strangest part is the is when people will, will say things like, oh, you know, gay people are not, uh, there's no gay people in Zambia. And I'm like, that is like, or in Africa, that's like the craziest statement that I, I hear. For me, that's the craziest statement that I hear. I'm like, of course they're there. It's just that, you know, they're quiet or, you know, they're not as loud or whatever, but they're there. You cannot just say that, no, they're not there. They don't exist. Ooh. And and people want to pretend because me, I feel like it, if the statistic is that one out of 10 people is gay. So if you're going to have, that's across the world. So if you're going to have one out of 10 people, there is definitely somebody in your family. There's somebody in your family who is gay. And are you saying that, oh, what? Just because they're gay, like you don't love them anymore. You know, does it make them a weirdo? Have they got horns pointing out of their head? Like, where is the problem? Because, you know, there are kids who go to school and then let's say they found that they're, uh, they have a, a, a different sexual orientation they get expelled from the school. So you're telling me like the whole gay uh, community should just be uneducated. They don't have any rights to education. Like, how does this make sense in your heads? Like, my goodness, my goodness. Like, I, I, I honestly don't understand it. People act like, you know, gay people are literally lying on the road having sex. That's the way they behave. But these are just normal people that are literally, they go to work, they'll do their jobs. And do we come and start watching you when you're having sex? No, we don't. So <laughs> we don't even want to imagine it. Like, you know what I mean? So leave them to their own. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it honestly doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, we are where we are, aren't we? <laughs> It's so funny because, like, the first time I heard about the strictness of gay um, 
or the strictness that's on the gay community. I was still in South Africa and Trevor Noah was making a joke about it. And I was like, ah, ah. And I asked my sister, we, we were not married yet. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, how true is this? He's like, yeah, babe, people are getting jailed for being gay. I'm like, how? How? Like, and you know how Trevor, Trevor Noah says, um, isn't that like the worst place you could, like the, like the, yeah, the worst place you could send them to? Because, I mean, you're going to put them with other gay men. So, like, what, what are you what are you solving? Like, you're not solving anything. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, when he made the joke, yeah, we laughed. But after a minute, I'm like, yeah, like, actually, no. Like, you're not really doing anything, are you? You know, so it's like they're not doing it in front of you. Like you said, truly, no one is having sex, showing us how gay they are in front of us. It's just a preference. You know, there's, I feel like in Zambia, if I were to say something is of disturbance to the community or the society, gay would be down here and alcoholism would be here. And maybe there's things up above it. But I feel like, okay, let's talk about the alcohol like that. Let's put in like as much effort about alcohol. And I'm not saying drinking alcohol. I mean, the addiction to it and not being able to control yourself. Let's talk about it. Let's give it the same energy. Let's see. You know what I mean? But that's my two cents. That's my opinion. It's never given the same energy ever. There are literally things like sports betting, I would say is a bigger pandemic than, you know, being gay. What but is no. That? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. No, betting. Like betting on like games and things like that. It's becoming a pandemic. It's it's like spreading like fire everywhere. And I'm like, no one even saying anything about this. Like, yeah, we're going to see the effects of this betting in like five, ten years when people have better way their savings, children's school fees because it's an addiction and it needs to be curbed. But no, we would rather police. You know what people, what grown consenting adults do with their genitalia. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The betting one is really bothering me. And, you know, you see like the, um, the signs and the posters and everything just popping up everywhere. And I'm like, how are we normalizing this? Like, why is this okay that people are, you know, like we're just okay with an addiction, just coming in and just spreading like this, like, fire like but can i just can i just say um that here is more um entertained Mm. being in debt uh uh, getting credit it is so much entertained here like hey i've had (laughs) my first year in zambia first year in my school i've had a colleague asked me for 5,000 kwach and I'm like how I don't know you from a bar of soap how do I give you 5,000 kwach but like it's so nonchalant like it's like no I'll give you like at the end of the month and I was like how even for me to go and ask like Chulu 
like I, I can't even ask you for 100 kwacha right now. I feel like, like, no, you know? And this woman with a straight face, very serious, was asking me for 5,000 kwacha. But the culture or the practice has been that, like, being in debt is fine. You'll pay it. You'll pay it. Like, it's fine. We live today. We'll see tomorrow sort itself. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely another issue. Um, what has been your experience like with um, leaders of the church? Um, you know, especially in terms of just the, the, I mean, if you're looking at, let's say, a Catholic setup where they say, oh, only men are allowed to, um, you know, lead or be be priests and things like that, you know, and then the women who are the church are not even, you know, then they can't even be on the pulpit preaching or anything like that. But what has been your experience and what do you think the effects are? I, one of the reasons that I can't even call myself Roman Catholic is that because I feel it's so unnatural, firstly, um, to say they shouldn't marry, they shouldn't have companions, and they should marry the church and dedicate their whole lives to the church. I think in the olden days, it, they were able to hide it, but it started you know, coming out through the cracks. Um, children are being molested, uh, you know, women are dating, uh, you know, priests, having secret children with them. So obviously you like, I mean, I don't know, wherever the Pope is sitting, he knows that this is just not working out. This law that they can't marry and they can't, you know, have uh, relationships or whatever, it's just abnormal. It's not humanly, you know what I mean? I mean, we're trying to push monogamy and here you are saying, don't do anything at all. Like, it's crazy. And then again comes the patriarchy, I can maybe call it in the church, you know, seeping in to show that also some parts of this church was a male agenda, you know, why must it be just the male that is heading the church when spirit or, uh, or, or the higher power or God can connect with all of us? And this is where, like, uh, I love my culture because they tell you that, like, anyone can be, uh, we say ngaka, which translates, like, directly to a doctor, and it's the doctor of the spirit, Anyone, you don't have to be male, you don't have to be female. If you're able to, to tap into that spiritual realm, which means an absolute awareness of your whole self, if you're able to tap into that so that you hear or you get inside or you see the world in different ways so that you help your people, then do it. And our way to connect to this spiritual realm or to fall into the spiritual realm is through music. So it's not, oh, because you have different parts in between your legs, you can do it, you can't do it. Like for me, that was, that was one of the things that I said, ah, I can't do this Roman Catholic thing because like sometimes even the way 
like scripture has been um, translated or relayed to people, you're like, I know, I have a, I, I think I have a better way of explaining it. Can I just come to the pulpit and share my idea? But because you're female, even if you dream about it, you'll never get to do it. You know what I mean? So that for me just doesn't make sense. It's abnormal and ridiculous. Definitely the same with the Baptist church. Um, women cannot lead. They cannot speak in front of men. Um, Paul is like the most revered person, you know, and he was the world's greatest misogynist. So he's basically like the cornerstone of the Baptist church. And I just find it weird because the people that actually make up the church are women. Like women statistically are more religious and yet they are, they, they cannot take, um, they, they can't leave this, this, this very organization make the majority of i i it's it's like holding a mirror to society because that's you know that's generally what society looks like but you're right then the church is 100 percent a male agenda male propaganda because why is there no equality in this place that's supposed to be we're supposed to be one family and full of love how come some animals are more equal than others yeah suffice to say i don't like it i do not appreciate any of those policies that say women cannot be leaders i mean we've proven we are the better leaders anyway so you know i always have well i guess this this year i've been having these conversations with um mostly guys who'll be like ah you women you women you don't support each other you um if you wanted like when we had the elections if you wanted because women are statistically um the highest number of voters if you wanted you could have voted in a woman but you didn't support her there was like one woman on the on the ticket the presidential ticket so why don't you do that but for me it comes down to things like this where you are telling women that you cannot be a leader like the church is indoctrinating people to say indoctrinating women to say that no women are not worthy of being leaders but it is men who should be the leaders it is men because i mean even just um the higher power it's always a male energy you know what i mean or jesus man god he you know no one i actually ever thinks about you know that higher power being whole i mean why was the female made you know because the female is the one that brings life it's not a man that brings life but then we are being told that oh the higher powers the ones who are in charge are always going to be male so these are a uh, subconscious things that you when you go into that voting booth and then they tell you choose what are you going to choose you're going to choose the man because that's where your safety is that's what you've been told your whole life so i hate it i hate it when someone comes and says oh women don't support each other no they've been indoctrinated to support men that's it Temuvo, you wanted to say something yes i concur I wanted to say that, you know, how you were saying the woman is the one who brings life. You know, in, in, in the cultural like, like way, the, like matriarchy is more important because the woman brings life and the woman will nurture the life they bring in. They'll never leave it. And you know how um, now there's, I don't know if it started now, but then, oh, maybe I've discovered it now. The cross, the one that actually has the womb. And that makes so much sense to me than like the cross cross, like that 
uh, Jesus died on. And again, what I wanted to say was um, about the votings. Like, yeah, who do, who, how can you expect people that you've taught from childhood that they are not worthy to suddenly turn all of them, 100% of them, to suddenly turn when suddenly there is one woman against how many men? And, 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 and be confident or be convinced that that one woman is the answer to all their problems or the answer to all the nation's problems when every other um, industry, company, church, religion reminds them that they are not. You go into the workforce, we are fighting because we are women. You go into the church, we are fighting, like fighting like for our voices to be heard because we are women. You go into traditions, we are fighting because we are women, just to be heard. You go into our homes, we are fighting because we are women. And then we must walk into political spaces and think, oh yeah, of course, like how, how? Like make it make sense, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm right there with both of you. I don't even have anything to add because you're taking the words right out of my mouth. So that leads me to how do, what are your feelings about the scripture? So, you know, you always have the people who will be like, the Bible says, they always start every sentence with the Bible says, but what is your, what are your thoughts? I know what my thoughts are, but what are your thoughts on the Bible? I have, yeah, I have a big two cents. Eh? I have a big two cents on the Bible. I want to tell you something. What I've discovered is that the Bible is like gossip. And hear me out. The Bible is like gossip because at no point did Jesus or God sit down and write it verbatim. At no point. And so that's why the Bible has so many books and authors. And to this day, there has been so many additions and subtractions, additions as an EDI, whatever. And also people have removed parts. In the Roman Catholic, the Bible has other chapters that other churches don't have. And you must ask yourself, why is this book that we must live by so inconsistent? There's a problem right there. And every time you read the Bible, it for me, you can read like a few lines and suddenly it's like, ah, is this really God's voice? You know? And I don't know. I feel like the Bible is a recording of things that happened for people in their own translations of what was happening to them. So it's like if we continued the practice of writing the Bible, even you or me would have the right to add our own book and, and write about my experiences and my encounters or what I believe as my encounters with God. And that would be valid because none of those people or not all those people were like, big people like in high hierarchies or like they are all kings or they're all leaders 
they were regular people according to the different um, you know, books in the Bible. So even I could continue on. So who am I not to write my chapter? Why not? But by that logic, the Bible really should be this live Google Doc that we all input in because we exactly. have different experiences, yeah, of the same God, but it stopped at some point. How? Why? And you must understand, again, when we... As um, Africans, I can only speak from an African perspective, were given the Bible, there was, again, a brainwashing that was supposed to be happening because you must remember how it came about. And when the Bible and the missionaries, when the missionaries were coming into Africa, you must understand as much as they were trying to save us, we had our own ways of connecting with that that was higher than us we knew that already we may have not written it down in the letters that they could understand but we wrote down we carved on stone we left messages for for next generations so we were not illiterate and needed to read the bible to know about god that is all that we've been fed in history. Again, to, pro- to, to push this propaganda of white people brought us the Bible. They helped us out. Jesus is white with straight hair, although he's from Jerusalem. All of that, you know, you can hear and you can see, like when you sit and read it, like word for word, chapter for chapter, you can hear what I ah, guys. Sure, 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 sure. This is the God that I serve. No. You know, let's, for me, I always just even say, okay, let's just take it back to how the Bible was created. A group of men came together. That's problem number one. It was just men. A group of men came together and had a meeting and started saying like, okay, different people have written these different books. Now let's now put it all together. Okay, so then they decided that, okay, this is what's going to constitute um, the Bible as we know it right now, right? And to be honest, if a group of men come together and are going to say this is going to lead our, our, our religion, our practices and stuff, clearly they just did it in a way that would make it, that is more um, advantageous for themselves. Like, because some things just don't make <laughs> make sense at all you know and even when they're teaching you no because um because the bible says that you know women should just be subservient like there are no women heroes and then to be honest like you go they'll say like oh but then you know read a book like esther if you read esther esther is all about mordecai that book should just be called mordecai i don't know why it's called esther because the whole book is just about Mordecai. Mordecai saved the king. Mordecai was made promoted. Like the whole book is about Mordecai. Don't even think it's, even if it's titled that, oh, it's about a woman. When you actually read it, it's actually talking about a man. The whole thing. And it's really disturbing for me that we can say that a whole group of men put together these books. And then now the Bible says, God said, 
Exactly. I was going to say, imagine, sorry, Tuba, I'm taking your turn. Imagine putting a group of men, just men, like, even, okay, let's, let's not say men. Imagine putting a group of women and we just decide on everyone's behalf. How fair would that be? Like, really, how fair would it be? Of course, we're going to put ourselves first. Like, it's simple. Imagine if you, as an individual, were told, write, uh, uh, choose some books, put them together. This will be what we call the Bible. Somehow, somewhere, you are going to be self-serving in these books. And if it starts well, but I, it, it's losing the plot, you will change. Guys, so many things have been edited in the Bible, I feel. I Absolutely, I agree. It's definitely a human-centered book from a human-centered point of view. Like, of course, if we have this massive power, we think this book can give us massive power, why would we not use it for our own gain and make sure that everything that it says ultimately serves us? It's even, and good point, even if it was a group of women that said that sat down, we would still have put things that would serve us. So, I mean, what do you do when people say the Bible says because <laughs> I hate conversations oh. that the Bible says. Like, I'm like, I cannot have a conversation with you if everything is going to be the Bible says. Like, how about you That's, independent thought, like be a critical thinker? Like, maybe just try it once. Windows yeah. shut down. <laughs> Windows shut down. The same. I, I literally, I can't, I cannot engage with someone whose sole argument is that it, you know, I'm just like, okay. That's fine. You you do you. There's no going forward after that because at the end, you said it when we began Chulu, that actually it's believed that you, hey guys, I'm even speaking my own language. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <It's wow>. that, <laughs> that the spirit is with us now, isn't it? So what's your spirit saying? The Bible says, but what's your spirit saying? Like, you can't, you don't really teach 100% right from wrong. You know that to a human being. Somehow we have intuition. We have instinct. We have these senses, you know? What does that in you say? Outside, of, yes, you read the Bible. Yes, the church has told you one, two, three, four, five. What do you say? After all of that, what do you say? And whatever you're going to say, your conscience, will tell you your heart will tell you are you in the right on the right track or are you lying to yourself like you don't even have other people to tell you i now you're lying you can you know you know i'm lying to myself now there's so much to be said so so much to be said but i think i'm i'm just curious what are your views on um you know i think you've, you've spoken to it already but you know what we believed as a people before Christianity came on a boat. You know what I mean? Um, and just connecting to that as well. There's so many things. Anyway, okay, you guys start and then I'll say what my thoughts are. <laughs> it's interesting. I was just reading about that this, the, today. I forgot in this girl's Instagram, but she has so much nice talk, content that's packaged in, in short TikTok videos. And she's like, you know, um, there's been like Sangomas of long ago, this is particularly in South Africa, didn't really used to um, like ascribe to male, female. They were like 
gender fluid, to use today's terms, you know, they once they transcended into their calling, they were be, they were above, you know, this whole binary way of looking at things. And then also that when, you know, hermaphrodites would be born, those are the ones that are born with a penis and a vagina, they were like almost revered in society, you know, like, oh, you know, this, and they were, they were definitely not shunned and definitely not like um, orchestrated. Uh, is that the word? Definitely not shunned as they are today. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, as they are today. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know why there's so much demonization of our own practices, you know, even just like calling on your ancestors, believing in a traditional thing. Some, you know, Christians don't even go to their own traditional ceremonies, Kuomboka, Kumbiliamizi, and all of those, because it's like, oh, there's evil spirits there. But like, before these white people came on a boat, these evil spirits are what we, you know, we, these are the things that, that guided us. These are things that, that showed us the way to go and the morals that we grew up with. So I just don't like the demonization that, that there is. Um, I don't know if it's because of how I was raised. I'm not spiritual even in that, in that regard, you know, with regards to like tradition, but I definitely have even a higher respect than I do for conventional religion. When you raised the, the previous point, the other thing that I wanted to say, which answer this question, is in Sitwana and sisters, we call them Badimu. And Badimu is not the gods, which has been sent out in now books and history um, as, 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 as if it's like we are we are worshipping miniature gods or mini-gods. Mini but actually, Badimu means those of God. They were with us, and now they are like in a different space, likely more closer to God, if not with God, in a spiritual like state continuously, not going in and out of that state. And so it's very important to go back to how we call ancestors in our own languages, because in our own languages, it makes more sense with the direct translation. And God, obviously, Mudimu, who is Mudimu, Dimu is high, meaning of a higher, you know, state or a higher power or, you know, not just merely, if I can say that, merely like God, like any God, no. That is that who is above all. And what is nice about Mudimu or Badimu, there is no uh, gender to it. Even today when you speak about Mudimu or Badimu, there's no gender to it. There's no male Mudimu or male Badimu or what. So if it doesn't even exist you know, this gender thing. So um, they had to be demonized or else the current religious ways or movements wouldn't make sense. And our history, our religions, our spirituality, you will hardly find 100% of its honest self in books or on the internet, go to the villages, find that old grandma, find that old grandpa and sit down and speak to them. You will find our true 
core. They know they've been taught. And that's why the way that we used to transfer such information was around bonfires, you know, singing, storytelling, those things are our own. You know, that's how we transfer. Now, carvings on stone is being used as art. It wasn't just art. It wasn't because we wanted to beautify where we were living. No, we were leaving messages for each, each other. We were keeping track of what we are doing. We were jotting down history for where we've been and where we hope to go. But now these things is like, oh, look at the, my, uh, the Khoisan art. No, you know, it's not just that. Yes, it's beautiful now when you look at it in an artistic eye. Yes, of course, but it wasn't just that. So if you really, really want to find out, ask the old people in your family about our religion, our, our cultures, our spirituality, then you'll find the truth. Don't ask Google. And don't look in the library, you won't find all of it. It wasn't meant to be found there. What you'll find is what they wanted you to find. Well said. I think there's a number of things that I think about, you know, when I'm thinking about, okay, you know, before, uh, there's a a, uh, job that I was doing, it was a festival and we had um, a performer that came from out of the country and uh, the lead singer, it was a band actually, and the lead singer um, practiced voodoo. And I remember it being very uncomfortable, like, <gasps> like oh my gosh, this guy practices voodoo. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I had to sit with myself and say, okay, then why is this uncomfortable? You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, as he was explaining and, um, you know, we're having like conversations, but it was really about having a really strong connection with the earth, with the land, you know, and conserving life and, you know, being um, mindful of the way that you treat all beings, all beings being animals, um, you know, humans, plants, and all of these things, they all have some sentient, like they all have a, they're alive, you know? So like, how do you treat that? And, you know, how do you respect it? And in the way that we do it. And again, just like Tewo was saying, these agendas, they were there to teach us that, you know, they wanted us to fall in line in one way. So then you've told us that, oh, this thing called voodoo, this thing um, that we talk about when it's witchcraft or whatever, and why we call it witchcraft, let's ask ourselves that because possibly it just has another name, you know. Um, these are evil, these are bad. It's only negative things that are connected to that. But when you, when you actually look at it, guys, if, if, you know, you know, Buddha is saying that we are connected with the earth. And right now in a capitalist society, the way that we treat the earth is, is horrendous. You know what I mean? Like anything goes, doesn't matter. We're going to cut the rainforest. You know, we're going to just... It's just mayhem. But then we're coming from a society that actually said, you know, let's actually look after our earth. This is our only earth. So sometimes I think we really need to sit with ourselves and think about why is it that I was told that this thing is is negative? 
Um, and then is it really true that it's negative? Like you're saying to people, like, go and do the research, go and find out, go and learn more. And I think um, I remember also when I went to Cameroon for my sister's wedding and I was talking to some guys and um, they were talking about how they still practice uh, the old traditions. So they go into the, 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 the forest and they will, you know, they will... Um, they will connect with the deities and things like that. And, you know, it, again, it was like, oh, my goodness. But, again, you have to think about it. Like, <laughs> why is it that the African traditions are making us feel uncomfortable? But this is where we came from, you know. And this whole thing, for me, what I always find curious is how, you know, witchcraft, and I don't want to call it witchcraft. I'm going to call it magic, right? It's the thing that we don't understand, right? Um, that magic in Africa is such a bad negative thing but then all of the content and movies out of Hollywood these days is just magic magic this, magic that magic this, magic that and I'm like, you people who don't believe in magic, who, who tell us that our, our magic is bad, but suddenly you guys have got good magic, like how is this making sense? <laughs> so I think for me it really just I think we just really need to take a step back and re-examine some of the things that we have been indoctrinated, for lack of a better word, to believe, to think, um, to react to. And I think it's not that, I don't feel like you have to feel bad about it, but just take time to think about it and think that, and then analyze, does this actually make sense for you as an individual? Like, does it make sense? what is being written, what you're reading, what you're hearing. Yeah. So anyway, those are just some thoughts that come up when I think about the past. As, as you were as you were talking, um just to also just end end, I don't know if we really are gonna end <laughs> conclude this. But then as you were talking, I picked up a few things and I just jotted some things that I picked up as you were talking. Um you you started by like witchcraft and uh, suddenly there is uh, that's what it was called and as we grow and we evolve and we like no it's not witchcraft suddenly there's do you know there's now witchcraft um, practicing in what is it like black and then there's white there's good, oh, bad witches and there's good ones suddenly now there's this new movement of oh but yeah, it's a witch, you know, the good witches. Like now it's, it, it's changed, you see? Anyway, that's a point just to keep in mind. Uh, reserving uh, resources. <laughs> I have spoken with my grandparents, guys, and this information, I get it from them. We used to reserve resources. And we, like you said, the Cameroonian guys were telling you, we are, you know, in, in history you you read um like history books you read that you know we were over hunters we we're always hunting and eating meat and that is not true men only went hunting for one big animal and that meat would be dried up for a long period of time and for certain uh periods of time you would have the meat and sometimes you wouldn't have it because you were only allowed to get maybe like one big, uh, what can I say? Like a kudu is a kudu. Yeah. Like the bags, huh? You like, you would get one of that 
And when they realize that, okay, now in this area, we've hunted enough, we would move. We didn't stay in one place. You know what I mean? So that thought of we reserved our resources, we were well aware of it. You know, we were well aware in our hunting, we were well aware of reserving resources in the way that we lived, in the way that we put up fires and all of that. We were aware, that's why we moved to give that land that we were like sitting on, living on time and a chance to regrow. And then after we've come back, after a a year, two, three, whatever, when we come back to that land, that kudu that you killed, now the other one has a baby, they've grown and whatever, and then you can kill again. You get what I mean? There was always a reserving mindset, not misusing things. And then um, why it makes us uncomfortable when people start practicing is the same thing we were talking about when we were talking about um, uh, uh, voting for women today. Because we've been taught from childhood that it is wrong. Obviously right now in your sub- subconscious mind, when it happens, you have to like be like, no, remember, now is the unlearning. Like now continue the unlearning. Like it's not, it shouldn't be making you uncomfortable. Try and understand what's happening before you just throw all your judgment or all, all that you've been like brainwashed by onto this and the other thing is I wanted to say have you ever seen how in the workplace this is the last point um and I think this is how it has been in 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 this in in our lives with the interaction of black uh, white people into black people's like environment have you ever seen in the workplace how someone who is intimidated by you would do anything and everything to sabotage you but they wouldn't want to show you that they're sabotaging you whatever idea that you bring about they will either run to management to suggest the same idea but then they'll never bring up your name about it or they will do they'll take your idea add three steps more so that it seems like it was their idea you just didn't you know there's always this funniness to it and this is what's happening all these things are slowly being accepted, but they must come around as if the initial idea was theirs, but it wasn't. You get what I mean? Like this, oh, religion, oh, good witchcraft, bad witchcraft, all of this, oh, good magic, bad magic. What Now it must come back because people are realizing, people are becoming uh, woke and all of that. So now it must come back, but the way that we bring it back it has to come back in a certain wokeness. It's always been there. It's always been there. And that's the behavior of people who would want to sabotage you in the workplace. That's my two cents. <laughs> you do have big two cents. I love it. <laughs> I'd just like to end, like you said, if we're ending this, by agreeing that as Africans, we are 100% natural conservationists. And even in today's modern world, like, we still have the least carbon emissions. We are still not even 10% responsible for climate change and all the emissions. But who's feeling the effects? It's us. Who felt the effects of the missionaries coming over and taking all our, our land and resources? It's still us. It always comes back to us 
you know, getting the short end of the stick, even though we've known how to interact with nature, we've known how to live in harmony in the shared space that we have. We've always known that we've always respected nature and you can even still see it, you know, to date, um, we all have this draw of plastics that we all keep, you know, we're trying consciously not to throw our, our plastics and that kind of thing. We are 100% natural conservationists. And if we could get back to the land, get back to the earth, minus all this religious dogma, I think we'll be, we will be heading in the right direction. Okay, ladies. So my, okay, this is my last question. How do you think people are going to react to this conversation? <laughs> well, if it doesn't make them uncomfortable, then we haven't really spoken about the real stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not, I, I, this is what I want to say to whoever is listening at the end of this. If it didn't make you go, hmm, really, you know, then we're not there yet. 100% agree, you know, as I, I'm saying this as I go into hiding. <laughs> but yes, this conversation is supposed to make you at least start to question certain things, think about things in a different way, introspect, look within yourself, and really ask yourself these very tough questions that you've been afraid to ask or reluctant to. It's okay to question everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I. <laughs> I think one of the other issues that I have is that we kind of have boxed God, you know what I mean? And um, we've made him very little, that you think that he cannot take your questions when you ask him these tough questions, like, is this really true? Like, why is it that this is this and this way? Like, he can take it as God, like, he is as big as, you know, we can't even imagine how big he is. And I think we need to get away from being afraid to ask those tough questions because he can take it. And that's my advice for people who are, you know, um, more on the religious spectrum, (laughs) if I can say it that way, um, as opposed to people who are a bit more free-minded. But, you know, if you're on the religious spectrum, if you say God is who he is, you know, he is the all-powerful God, the God that created this whole universe that operates by itself. Your body, you don't need to instruct your body to move and do all the systems that it does in your body. It just does what it's supposed to do because God created you that way. If that's the God that you're actually serving, he can answer your questions whatever you ask him it doesn't really matter so that's my take on it (laughs) ladies it has been an absolute pleasure it was everything and more (laughs) and i think you had a plan to direct this conversation (laughs) (laughs) yes we know you Alrighty, so I can't wait to hear the feedback from this. Guys, it's okay. Ask, like, Let's continue the conversation. If you're listening, let's continue the conversation. We want to hear what it is. I mean, if you're in the Africana woman community, you know this. Like, any All conversations are good as long as we're respectful to one another. So, you know, as you listen to this, as you respond, respond with respect. Um, we're not here to, you know, bring down whole nations and whole churches and whatever, but, you know, we can have a conversation. Not much to add here. What do you think? Let us know. You can either chat in Africana Woman Visionaries, 
drops your thoughts in the AWV book club or on our socials. We would love to know your thoughts. Please help me say thank you to Tebuho and Tuba for being brave enough to have this difficult conversation. It's not easy to vocalize divergent thoughts in a homogenous environment. So I really do appreciate you ladies. Visit AfricanaWoman.com to find out what is happening in the community. Remember, we are having um, Good Morning Beautiful in December, the first week of December. So invite everybody. I'm telling you, invite everybody. This is going to be so, so transformational for you. <laughs> just ending the year well, just feeling good about it, letting go of negativity, cleansing. It's going to be amazing. So make sure you sign up and tell your friends about it, tell your family, tell everybody, okay? Remember, you are worthy of the life you dream of. You can create something that has never been seen before. Dream big, just start and evolve with Africana Woman. All you have to do to join the movement is visit AfricanaWoman.com. This has been a production of Africana Woman Media, the number one podcast production house.